Good morning. My name is Stuart Davidson. I'm the pastor here at Eastern Shore Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website, www.myesbc.net. Of course, if you would like to visit us on a Sunday morning, you'll see that we have life group classes or Sunday school classes that start at 9 a.m. And our service starts every Sunday at 1010 a.m. Come by and see us. God bless you. And I hope that you are motivated to look more like Jesus through today's podcast. Kindergarten teacher gave her class a a show-and-tell assignment, and each student was instructed to bring an object that represented their religion to share with the class. Probably wasn't a public school. The first student got up in the front of the class and said, My name is Benjamin, and I'm Jewish, and this is the Star of David. The second, second student got up in front of the class, and she said, My name is Mary, and I'm Catholic, and this is a rosary. Third student got up in the front of class and said, Hi, my name's Tommy, I am Baptist, and this is a casserole. (laughs) If you're not Baptist today, you might not get that joke, but if you're Baptist, that one one hits, uh, hits pretty close to home. People... Think, of course, as Baptists, maybe that is our ultimate symbol of faith. But if you're a believer today, the ultimate symbol of our faith, bar none, is, of course, the cross. It is the cross. Everywhere we go, we shine the cross. And I am not going to make light of the cross today. We would not be here today if it were not for the cross. If there was no cross, there would be no resurrection. But today, I would almost say maybe there's another symbol of Christianity that we often don't highlight. And that is the symbol of an empty tomb. The tomb is empty. And every single person across planet Earth is wrestling with that question, why? Why is that tomb empty? Muhammad is dead and in the grave. Joseph Smith, dead, gone, rotting away. But Jesus died, yes, but he's not in the grave, friend. And we have to understand why. Why is that possible? If the tomb wasn't empty, then we have no hope. We have nothing at all if that tomb isn't empty. So my brothers and sisters, maybe today the tomb, the empty tomb, should be one of the primary symbols of our faith. Famed pastor and writer N.T. Wright wrote this, The resurrection completes the inauguration of God's kingdom It is the decisive event demonstrating that God's kingdom really has been launched here on earth as it is in heaven. The message of Easter is that God's new world has been unveiled in Jesus Christ and that you are now invited to belong to it. What a phenomenal message. And Jesus says these words in John chapter 11, verses 25 through 26. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even though they die, and whosoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Friends, this morning, I want you to know that God made a way for us. He made a way to peace, to comfort, to mercy, to forgiveness, and of course, to eternity. 
He did this by way, of course, of the cross, and the empty tomb is the testimony of that path. In 1994, a 67-year-old carpenter named Russell Herman from Marion, Illinois, died. He passed away. In his last will and testament, he bequeathed the following, $2.4 billion to the town of Cave-In Rock. Sounds like a lovely place. $2.4 billion to the city of East St. Louis. $1.5 billion for projects in southern, southeastern, excuse me, Illinois. And in a final act of unprecedented generosity, he left $6 billion to the federal government in order that the federal government might pay down the debt. Now, that's gonna be far short. Our federal debt's about 20 trillion. But still, a very generous offer. There was only one problem. At the time of his death, the only thing that Mr. Herman actually owned was a 1983 Oldsmobile tornado. (laughs) Russell Herman may not have left behind anything of monetary value, but he did leave behind something as a good reminder. You can't give away what you don't possess. You can't give away what you don't possess. He didn't have the resources to make any of these promises a reality, but not so with God. Not so with God. He has the means to make good on every promise that he has ever made. Our big idea today in this world of broken promises is that God's promises can be counted on. You can take it to the bank. The Bible is filled with promises. Some 5,467 promises are in the Bible. Promises this morning that you can count on. Promises that you don't have to doubt. And one of those promises is this, that there is life after death. We don't have to fear death because of what Jesus did for us on the cross and how he defeated the grave through that empty tomb. There's life after death. And that is a promise. Today's scripture is just one verse. It was written by Paul just after Christ's death. And it's perhaps one of the greatest promises in all of scripture. This morning, if you want to, you can read along the screens, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Listen to what Paul says. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead. The Lord being Jesus. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead. And he will raise us also. And he will raise us also. There are three really simple things that I want you to remember this Resurrection Sunday. And the very first is this, that death has been defeated. Death has been defeated. Millions upon millions of Christians around the world celebrate Resurrection Sunday on this day. But far too many of us, far too many of us, this story has become trite boring, wrote, maybe you've heard it over and over and over again. We have the basic facts down. Jesus was arrested. He was crucified. And three days later, God raised him up from the dead. Yet we miss something really important. We miss what turns Easter from a one-dimensional holiday to a multi-dimensional, life-transforming way of life. We miss the story of the resurrection. It isn't just Jesus' story. It's our story. Resurrection story is not just the Lord's. It's also ours. We are a part of the resurrection. 
Jesus' death and his resurrection didn't just prove that there's life after death. The resurrection proves that you have life after death. That there's life beyond the grave. Jesus says, if you trust in him, death is just a transition. It is not an ending point. One day, one day, friend, your heart will stop. It will stop beating. And that will be the end of your body, but it will not be the end of you. God made you to last forever. That's why you often have that feeling that there's more to life than what you are currently experiencing. That feeling is accurate. It is true. The second thing that I want you to remember this morning, not only that death was defeated, but your crypt has been conquered. Your grave has been conquered. The internet is an interesting repository of a lot of fascinating things. I came across the story, this was just recently, the other day, of what I thought to be unusual. The internet is filled with unusual things. It was a picture of a Texas man. His name, quite flashy, was Quincy Don Papa P. Quincy Don Papa P was his name. You can Google it. It's okay. The photos show Quincy, or maybe as he prefers to be called, Mr. Papa P. It shows Quincy sitting on a throne. He's dressed in red. He has his arms stretched out on his throne. He wears a crown on top of his head. And a large gathering of people came around him to celebrate him. The only problem is that Mr. Papa P was dead. And those gathering around him, that was his funeral service. Now, Quincy may have had an unusual... Funeral service, certainly that would be very unusual for me. I've never performed a funeral service like that, and I've performed lots. However, his funeral will be very similar to mine and to yours in one way, in one way. And I think you probably know where I'm going. Quincy, like me and like you, died. We will die just as he died. He will not come back from death. And while we may have thought him, while he may have thought him of himself as a king, he most certainly encountered the king of kings upon his death. I just did a funeral on Friday, Good Friday, for the family. It was not so good because their treasured loved one had left. But their treasured loved one was a believer in Christ. And I said to that family upon the moment that she took her last breath here on planet earth, on the moment that she saw her last sight, heard her last words, took her final breath in her lungs, that the moment that her eyes closed in this reality, her eyes opened in the next reality. And she stood before the King of Kings, the Lord of hosts, the Alpha and the Omega. That's what the Bible promises When we die, we will face the Lord. For me and you, we do not have to fear death because death was defeated at the cross and our graves, our graves, my grave and yours has been utterly and completely destroyed. Our crypts have been conquered. Remember what John says, the apostle in Revelation chapter 1, 17 and 18. Listen to what he says. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me, that being Jesus, and he says this, Fear not, 
Fear not. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Brothers and sisters, if you know Jesus, you've got nothing to be afraid of. It doesn't matter what happens to your body. It doesn't matter what your boss does to you. It doesn't matter. None of those things matter because if you have Jesus, you've got enough. The last thing I want to remind you is that death was defeated. Your crypt has been conquered. And friends, your map has been made. Your map has been made. Humans have been sketching out maps for thousands of years, but Claudius Ptolemy was the very first to use math and geometry to develop a manual on how to map the planet, at least the planet that he was aware of at the time. This Alexandrian-based Greek scholar who may have drawn this map by himself, he described accurately, by the way, the latitude and longitude of some 8,000 places on planet Earth. Hundreds, thousands of years ago, without Google Maps, he was able to do it. He made a great map. Scholars today even claim that Claudius Ptolemy's map is a phenomenal map, but it is not a perfect map. You would not want to use that map to really get anywhere these days. After all, the Americas are not even on that map. So you'd want to use a better map than what Ptolemy made. God has been, however, in the map-making business for a long time. God didn't just make a great map. He didn't make just an accurate map. God made a perfect map. He made a way for humanity to know him, to spend eternity with him. His roadmap is the only map needed because there is no other way. The map was pinned on the cross. And the ink was the blood, and it was sealed in the tomb. And friend, this morning I prayed with the choir earlier today. I, I don't know if you're here because it's Easter and it's sort of perfunctory for you to do that and I celebrate that. We, we obviously think Easter is a very important day and it should be celebrated. I don't know maybe if you're family and you just came, which is great. I have family here as well. Uh, maybe this morning as I prayed with the choir, this is your last chance. This is the last time you're going to give God a shot. You're going to give God any kind of a, an idea of, all right, I'm going to give Jesus, I'm going to give this Jesus one more shot. And, and if God doesn't come through, I'm done. Well, friend, you may be done, but God's not done with you. He's made a, a map for you. He's made a way for you, a, a way that we can see him, see him and, and see our loved ones again. I want to share it with you. Let me express one central truth for you today, that you are a sinner and when I say you, that includes me. I'm a sinner as well. You may be asking yourself, well, what in the world is a sinner? A sinner is anybody that's disobeyed or disappointed God. A sinner is anybody that has broken a Ten Commandment. And friend, every single person in this room has broken one, if not all, of the Ten Commandments. All of them have been broken. So we are all lawbreakers. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's me, that's you. We have a sin problem. You have a sin sickness. Two, because of our sin, you've been separated from God. 
God is holy, just, and perfect. He cannot be in the presence of sin. Therefore, there is a great chasm that spans between us and God. In the Old Testament, if you read it, there are sacrifices that are being made by, by unblemished animals, and that doesn't get the job done. The Bible tells us that in order for us to have peace with God, that something has to die, something has to bleed. And so our sin has separated us from God. Much in the the same way that if you go out and break the law, you are separated from your family and you're placed in jail. That's where all of humanity is. We are all in jail. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, Your sins have separated you from God. Another fancy theological word is transgressions. Your transgressions have separated you from God. So because we have a separation and because we are all sinners, most of us in this room will say, well, I need to make up for all that. I'm going to try to be really, really good. I'm going to say good things, think good things, do good things. When I go home, I'm not going to kick my dog. I'm going to speak kindly to my wife. I'm going to love my children. And if I do enough good things, if I do enough good things, then God will let me in to heaven. I was listening to a a country song the other day, and there was a lyric. It went something like this, that those streets of gold, they're worth the work. It's worth the work to get there. We just got to work our way there. And it immediately hit me what may have been a good country song, but it was a terrible theological song. You can't work your way in, folks. You can't be good enough. If you've done one bad thing in your whole life, if you've broken one command, we stand as guilty before the Lord. And because we are guilty before the Lord, there is a punishment for that guilt. There is a punishment for that The Bible tells us again in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, we can't do enough good things. Isaiah the prophet says we are all infected and we are impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, when we display our good works, they are nothing but filthy rags before our Lord. They are garbage. They are trash before him. So because we can't pay for our good works, we need someone to pay for it. We need a savior In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says these words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father unless he comes through me. You cannot save yourself. You cannot pay for your debt. It's too rich, too expensive, too overblown, too bloated, and you can't do it on your own. You have to have someone else. And Jesus is that Savior. Jesus is the only way. In John 3, 16, The apostle tells us, for God so loved the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, shall never perish, but have eternal life forever. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that Jesus is the only one, the only way, the only name? I can't save you. Your mom and daddy can't save you. Your granddaddy who is a preacher cannot save you. Being good enough won't save you. Only Jesus will You have to call out to him, brothers. You have to tell him, I need you. Much in the same way that Jonathan and Jackson and Caleb did this morning, they professed their need for a savior. They said, Jesus, I know you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I will be obedient to you and I will follow you. Are you willing to do that today? Are you willing to say yes to the Lord? In Romans chapter uh, 10, verse 13, it says that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that a great news? Everyone. That means the goody two-shoes and the drug addict all have an opportunity to know Jesus Christ. That means the person who's too far gone and the person that never was 
They're not too late. Anybody can say yes to Jesus. Jesus hung on that cross with arms wide open saying, come on, I'm here. And Jesus pointed us to salvation. And friend, lastly, once you've accepted Christ, you have to make the decision to grow in your walk with him in obedience. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, it says this, Therefore, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Are you ready to give your life to Christ Jesus today? Are you willing to say yes? Friends, this morning, would you bow your heads with me? If it's the desire of your heart to know Jesus, to live with Jesus forever when you die, to see him, I want you to pray this following prayer with me. It's not too late. It's never too late. Say these words in the quietness of your mind and the stillness of your heart. And at the end of today's service, I would invite you to come forward and make your decision known that you've accepted Christ and that you want to know him. Say these words. Say, Father, I am a sinner. I have disobeyed you. And I know that my sins have separated me from you. I am sorry. And today, I seek your forgiveness. I want to repent, turn away from my sins and follow you wholeheartedly. I believe that your son, Jesus Christ, died for me, that he was resurrected, that the tomb is empty, that he is alive, and that he hears my prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you that you made a way for me. I invite you, Lord, to become the, the ruler of my life, to rule and reign in my heart from this day forward. Lord, I ask for your Holy Spirit to help me to obey you and to do your will for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Friends, this morning, if... Thanks again for tuning in to today's podcast, and we hope to see you again on Sunday morning. Of course, you can also watch our services live on YouTube. Simply search Eastern Shore Baptist Church on YouTube, and at 10.05, our broadcast starts. We hope to see you soon. God bless you. And again, visit our website, www.myesbc.net. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.